Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, my name is Kevin Christie, and this is Weekend Bigots. As a journalist with more than 14 years experience, I've decided that the time has come to examine the thorny issue of sectarianism in Scottish football. To gain a deeper understanding, I'm going to interview a variety of people who have been involved in the sharp end of the game in this country. And they'll say to you, it's almost like they're brainwashing you. Well, how catchy the music is, how much the beat is, and everyone's around you, and you do just feel a part of something. But back in those days, they were just, well, to us, they were just Rangers songs. And the fans that are there, it's alive and in their conscience all the time. They are, the Catholic-Protestant thing is, is very alive and well, unfortunately, in Scotland. And you just have to go to any Celtic Rangers match to, to see that. Well, pe- people would chant IRA songs at football matches, but they wouldn't have a clue what the IRA actually is or who they really were or what the history of Ireland was. It was kind of... When you look back now, you think they were just dafties because they were shouting about stuff they knew nothing about. In the six-part documentary series, we'll look at the issue from the late 60s and early 70s right through to the present day. For this episode, I travelled through to Hamden to meet the punters ahead of the recent Rangers versus Celtic League Cup final. I talked to fans from both sides of the old firm divide and heard their views on sectarianism and what they think should be done to eradicate the problem. Supporters spoke candidly on what the rivalry means to them and challenged negative stereotypes often portrayed in the media. The second half of the podcast sees me talk to two self-confessed weekend bigots, Andrew and Brian, not their real names, who talk openly and honestly about their past behaviour and how they now regret it. But they also explain how easy it was for them to be caught up in the web of sectarianism on match days. So here's what the fans had to say on my recent trip to Hamden. Right, so we're recording now, so just um, <laughs> on the issue of sectarianism, we're doing a podcast that would be called Weekend Bigots, right? And this is a thing that you get guys from both sides that'll go along sing the songs and they don't really know what they're singing about. It doesn't really make much sense to them. They'll, they'll join in because they've had a few babies and, and that kind of thing. I think it most definitely is recognised. I am... I have to admit that it's not me, not guilty. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a, a, a weekend uh, bigot. But um, you know, having gone to football since I was age seven, so I'm nearly 60, it was a you know, all the different songs were part of football life. Um, when you were younger, you thought they were quite good. As you got older, you get embarrassed by it. So you don't think it, 
it adds to the atmosphere or anything. I mean, it's just a song they could be singing anything, really. It's, it's more they, 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 they could be singing anything, but I, I mean, I don't want to hear songs about the UVA for the IRA. Yeah. So, you know, there can be noise, there can be colour, but what comes out of people's mouth obviously can cause offence. Would you like to, to see more done to combat the problem? Do you think enough's been done just in the, the wider issue of sectarianism in Scotland? Well, I think obviously no letting them into the games, what they've done, but the European Games has done quite a bit. Uh, it's a good deterrent to, a good to stop that kind of attitude for populating in the game. So. And you'd like to see it stamped out, obviously? Aye, completely. So there's no place for it in, in modern Scotland, and is it? It's strange that they're still singing these these songs um, on the Irish. Like a, like, like of education, which I think there's obviously an issue about what happened in Ireland. Over the years, if you like, people have got strong views about what happened in Ireland, and the problem of Ireland is going to continue with the Brexit carry-on that we've got. So, so that's you know, that's that's fueled it further. Um, at the end of the day, we're all human beings, and we should live in peace. Do you think Brexit? A couple of people I spoke to have touched on that. That's interesting. And do you think it's fueling tensions, if you like? It doesn't fuel tension with me at a football game, but as, yeah. as, as, as someone who is anti-Brexit, somebody who uh, abhors this, what I term, English nationalism, uh, it upsets me. But I'm not going to a football game uh, singing, do you hate Boris Johnson, clap your hands. <laughs> okay. Stuff. And do you think it's that they've got tougher restrictions in Europe than they have in Scotland? Do you think we're a wee bit behind the curve, if you like? Uh, well, it looks like we're behind the times. If in Europe you have this big wealth of money sitting at your doorstep and you're being restricted for that, then obviously in Scotland there's no much of a deterrent there because the money's not as good as obviously you get in Europe. So I think the reason why we don't have we are so behind the times is probably because there's not enough funding for the clubs to be worried about losing a section of stands. And that comes down to this strict liability thing as well. It's like the clubs take more responsibility, um, but they seem to shy away from doing that a little bit, no? Aye, aye, completely. And you think that comes to, down to dough, aye? I think it comes down to money, I think that's a big, large reason for it. It's down to the association bit, it's not just about... Obviously, you go to UEFA, yeah, they're the, they're the powerhouse, but it's, the Scottish FA's got a lot to answer for. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they need to be stricter on clubs. They kind of have favourites. It doesn't matter if you're Rangers or Selic. And just to touch on sectarianism, um, just your thoughts on that. Is there enough being done? Would you like to see more being done? I think we've seen that it'll still happen. It's the first Celtic Rangers final there's been in a long time. It's such a pressurised match. You're going to get the guys that are going to sing the sectarian songs. Um, and I think that you talk about what can we do? Is there enough getting done? In my eyes, no. Um, I think we, we're trying to showcase it more in terms of the issues that sectarianism can bring but I think we need to go a step further, we need to get into education in schools, we need to stop these matches on both sides of the divide, I think we need to take that all out of society, we're in the year 2019, um, we need to stop living in the past and start to look at the future, and the only way we'll do that is by taking real action um, and eroding it out of society, but while we've got marches on both sides, while we've got fans getting away with singing stuff on both sides, then it's still going to be here, unfortunately, yeah. So it needs to start with kids, re-educate them, and then um, hopefully we, we are educating. What, what about the argument that, although it's like sectarian singing, it sort of it adds to the occasion <coughs> and all that, or which is just like, there's no need for that, it's just singing anyway. Yeah, there's, no, there's no need for it at all in football. It's end of the day, you're, you're gone for a good time, you're not going to sing songs that means nothing to you.
Uh, there's other songs you can sing, for example. Uh, you don't have to sing that type of songs. It's all about having fun, but you can have fun singing other songs. Have you seen a change, cultural change a wee bit? Like, I mean, these are quite young guys, but have you seen a sort of change in the last few years? It's, it's not as bad as it was, or it's... I'd say definitely, aye. Ever since they clapped in it, probably doing about 2008. Yeah. It's definitely kind of quietened down a lot well. Don't see it as much. Is that something you recognise that they maybe just go along and sing these songs? Even um, I think some of them, some guys unfortunately will go there and not intentionally sing the songs. They'll get caught up in the heat of the moment and then they might look at themselves and go, God, did I actually sing that song? You've got others who absolutely, unfortunately, probably thrive upon it. They see it as a bit of competition. You sing this, we'll sing that. Um, so, yeah, I think there is a bit of a, a 90 minute bigot, as they call them, um, and then they think it's okay to do that in the football stadium and then leave and <laughs> shake hands and all the rest of it. But no, we need to get rid of it. Um, that's the only way it's going to get removed. And while we put up it in football stadiums or in society, it's not going to change. Now, I'm going to talk to some fans who admit to having been weekend bigots. We're now joined by a, a former self-confessed weekend bigot. We're calling him Andrew for the purposes of, of the show. Andrew's a Rangers fan and he's supported that team all his life and he's just going to tell us a little bit about his experiences going to old firm matches and getting caught up in sectarianism. So, hi Andrew. Hi, how are you doing? Good, sir. Just tell us about your upbringing and how you got involved in supporting Rangers and, and going along to the games, that kind of thing. I will... I'm from West Edinburgh myself, but my family's a lot from West Lothian. And actually a bit of a, a different story, because, I mean, half my family is Catholic, but, you know, my dad's side, they're, they're all Rangers fans. And we sort of grew up, you know, going through to West Lothian, going to gala days, you know, getting caught up in that sort of unionist culture. You know, uh, King William Orange flags everywhere. Was that mainly from your dad's side then? I was mainly from my dad's side. To be honest, it wasn't really something particular that my dad was involved in, but it was a lot more, you know, extended family, like, you know, granddads, uncles, cousins were, like, really, really quite into, you know, that, that whole sort of King Billy culture. And is that something that, that you picked up as a young child, is it? I think it was something subconsciously. I mean, you, you even had it in schools. I remember especially when we went to high school, it was a big period, you know, where even Hearts fans were involved in that, that in West Edinburgh, and yeah. it was, and, and it just almost seemed like something that, you know, was just accepted, it was just done. Even though you had pals that were Celtic fans or, or Hibs fans, you know, you would still get caught up in the songs, you would still be, you know, singing the sash, still going to games with Union Jack, still going on the supporters' buses, and... You know, really, really getting sort of ingrained with it. Did you treat it as banter? I mean, you didn't have like any real animosity towards, well, as you say, you got mates that were Celtic and Hibs fans. So, I mean, not at all. Like, like I said, I had family that were, were Catholic, and and you just never quite connected the two. And I'm not sure if it was because you were a younger mind, because obviously now I'm a bit older. I mean, you try and sort of reflect on it, and I mean, you wouldn't have got a Rangers game against St Mirren or can say. Hearts and, and sing songs like that, but when it comes to an old firm, it's, it's almost like it's something that's still there, still lying dormant. But I wouldn't they say there's any animosity, there's no any hatred. I mean, the, the atmosphere's fantastic. I went to my first old firm game at the cup final just, just recently, and I couldn't believe the atmosphere. It was like something from Game of Thrones. I mean, the, the, the site, both sets of supporters converge on Hamden. So I could see the excitement. 
and you get caught up in that. I mean, you've been to old firm matches yourself, yeah. And oh, I definitely say you're on the supporters bus or, or in a supporters bar, and I mean, you've you've been there yourself. I've even had hearts pals and that that have went through Ibrox, and they'll say it's almost like they're brainwashing you. Well, how catchy the music is, how much the beat is, and everyone's around you, and you do just feel a part of something, and you do get that venomous, especially at you know an old fun game. And I don't know if that is because there has been that rivalry that is, you know, so ingrained in Scottish culture that it almost just feels a part of who you are as your identity. There is elements within football clubs where, and we're talking, we'd be talking right wing elements in your case, where people take that further. You know, they maybe join a right wing organisation or, and it becomes like a central thing in their life. And, the football may be the catalyst for that. Was that something you ever considered or was it something that maybe your mates got more more involved in, you know, more of a hooliganism sort of thing? I sort of never for myself. I mean, always had a sort of, like, like I say, my old man was a bit more grounded. He was never really into that sort of stuff. For me, I really was more of a weekend bigot, like a 90-minute bigot. He'd, I mean, sometimes gala days in West Lothian, you were through with family or, you know, going on supporters buses, going to the bars, like, you, you really would get caught up. But I never really had that element of sort of wanting to join an Orange Lodge. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I really had the education in that. But then there were folk that, you know, I knew from growing up with that, that are still involved with, you know, that, that have the full shebang, you know, sort of Maybe British army tattoos, the, got, yeah. got the sashes on, going out for the marches on the 12th and different things like that. It's like they're, they're striving for an identity and that becomes part of their identity, like they tie in with the, the, the forces. I know with Rangers, the, the whole poppy day is a, a massive thing and, and that's that's part of the culture. Just to go back, it's interesting, you, you mentioned yourself, weekend bigot, 90 minute bigot. What's, what's your thoughts on that? What's, what does that mean to you? It's tem- I think, temporary. And- I think what it is, is it is. It is temporary. I mean, you can go through... I went through and ended up in the Grapes Bar, you know, before a, a Rangers game that's pretty close to, to the stadium. And it was just... A, it, was, it was a nothing league game. But see, once the songs start going, you do get caught up in the atmosphere. You do get caught up in, you know, the, the, the sort of fervour of it. But the minute that game's done and you're on your sort of bus or train home, like I said, you... You could be phoning up Catholic family members. You could be going back to the pub and, you know, where you live and, and chatting to Celtic fans and chatting to Hibs fans and chatting to people that are from the so-called other side of the divide. But when you're caught up in there, you'll you'll still sing these. And is it something... Do you reflect on what, what happened in the 90 minutes or 94 minutes during a game? Do you ever reflect on, well, maybe that wasn't that great, you know, singing these songs and... Or if you hear, you read about sectarianism or somebody's been hurt after an old firm game, is it is it something that you, you sort of reflect on? And do you think there's a, like the whole weekend bigot aspect? I mean, it's not, it's unhelpful, it's not. I think it's something that when you grow up, you obviously learn more about the history. It starts becoming less and less, you know, just about a catchy tune. It starts becoming less and less about being Rangers. You know, you find out about what happened in Northern Ireland. You find out about, you know, the things in the British Empire, the British Army, and and you do really have to sort of, you know, take a check of yourself. Definitely when I think back to when I was younger, you know, and some of the things you would sing and, you know, at house parties or you know, on buses to games, and you do get that level of regret because you do think, you know, if you were to go 
fucking across the water into Northern Ireland and start singing certain stuff like that or singing those songs in certain parts of Glasgow. The Gorbals and that, that's the kind of stuff would not fly. Yeah, did that, singing those songs and that as a, as a young, say a young boy, did that, was that the catalyst for you to go and find out about the stuff that's getting sung about? You know, like, I want to dig deeper into this and, and maybe see what this is all about. See, to be honest. Not, necess- not necessarily a bad thing, I mean, but just... To be honest, no, really. See, when you were at, at school and that, it wasn't. It? You just got caught up in it because everyone else was doing it. It was, it was a culture. It was really, you know, for myself, when I started taking more of an interest in actual history. See, you do start reading, you do start watching the news, especially a lot of stuff that's came up right now with, with Brexit and the issue in Northern Ireland. You do start to learn things. You do see documentaries. You do understand the hurt and the fact that people are getting killed. You know, folk were actually going in. And it's just a song for us over here, but over there it's it's a different kettle of fish. Like, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's thousands have died. Do you think people are attracted to this sort of thing? And, and a, to a certain extent, I could see it with football hooligans, is they want to belong to something. They want a sense of identity. It's almost like a surrogate family, if you like. Do you recognise that sort of behaviour in people? I think so. I think it's an escape. Like, you know, you you go to the game and you really do, you know, become fully immersed in something, feel like you belong to something. It's it's almost this identity. Like, it's as old as time. You see it in all different cultures as well. It's it's just up here we have it where it is sectarianism. It's, It's Catholicism and Protestants. And I think even for most people that do get involved in it, they actually maybe don't understand the history. Maybe don't understand, you know, the divide between religions. Yeah. I mean, it's getting to the stage where Rangers and Celtic are getting fined in Europe for, like, if they sing that kind of thing. So what do you think the clubs can do to clamp down on sectarianism and and potentially racism? I mean, I think a racism... Racism, I think you're, you're obviously seeing a lot more from sort of British clubs to try and combat it, even though the issue's not nowhere near being solved. Where sectarianism, you really struggle to think how that's going to be taken out of the game. I mean, if you think that's folks' granddads to dads to folk now, and you even see the young boys going to the games now, there are still, you know, King William Orange flags, everything else, without truly maybe understanding what's going on. And you've seen it, the fines keep getting dished out, but the fans will keep singing it. They'll keep going it. They think it's a part of the the culture, the tradition. Yeah, well, I mean, the Billy Boys go back to, like, the 1920s in Glasgow. So you think that kind of thing, and also the, the Celtic side with the Irish immigrants coming over and that, you think it is culturally ingrained and specifically Celtic Rangers... I think it's tough. And I mean, you even see it seep down. I mean, you see it where, you know, whenever you go through Edinburgh, you see it with the hearts and hips, you see it with other fans. I really struggle to see how you're going to get out of the game. And, and that's not that, you know, you necessarily disagree with the fans or disagree with what folk are saying, with the harm that it causes. But I can't see how you'd, how you'd get this out of the game. Now, Andrew, I just want to ask, would you still consider yourself a weekend bigot? Could you still get caught up in that? I mean, you're an older and wiser man now, but would you still... Uh... I'd say you're playing like a Kilmarnock or a Motherwell, getting even Aberdeen's, no chance, wouldn't they get there? But whenever it's an old firm, whenever it's an old firm, and I mean, I've been in front of, you know, Catholic family during an old firm and, and things still slip out. Things still really do get caught up. And that's, I don't know if that is because it's so ingrained and you might still have the regret afterwards, but 
it's something that's near near impossible to shake, I find, sometimes. So you wouldn't say that going to separate schools is that much of a problem, or well, what's your feelings on that? I know. No, think that that never created an M and us sort of situation when you were growing up. I mean, I think it does, but even then, you know, with schools I went to, we had rivalries with schools that were also non-dominant denominations, and we were pals with folk that were for Catholic schools. Like, there wasn't really that element when I grew up playing youth football. You had boys that went to Catholic schools in your team and, and sometimes they were your best pals. I think it was really this naivety when you're young. You don't really understand it. And I think the only way you'd properly get caught up in it is if you end up sort of joining an Orange Lodge or you do end up joining these kind of things and then it becomes more. It starts to sort of mutate and manifest itself. And were you aware of, like... We're talking about Rangers here, but are you aware of certain elements that are seeing these football grounds as like a breeding ground for extremism? Were you aware of that going to the game? Was there any approaches made? Not really to myself, but then I think that was being protected, you know, either being with, with you know, older members of your family or with just being with just your pals and kind of sticking to yourself. Like, we actually came, you know, relatively decent backgrounds. I know for a lot of people I end up getting groomed and different things way back in the 80s and everything else. It was folk from real areas of deprivation. And I think that is something. If someone can offer you something where you are being loved, you are a part of a community, you are, you know, accepted as one of them, that's something that's going to be, you know... Powerful, yeah, really even... Really appealing to people. Yeah, even if it's negative. I mean, that's uh, that's something that... What you describe, people are are attracted to that, especially young men seem to be attracted to that sort of thing, yeah. It's like a brotherhood. I mean, you'll see it throughout history, where where it'll happen, and and they will be attracted. But I can't, I mean, I can't really speak for myself having an experience like that at Rangers games, where folk have sort of been trying to sort of groom you into something that is a bit more dangerous, you know, going down that right-wing sort of rabbit hole. And what about the clubs? Again, I'm, I'm really talking about the old firm here. Do you think they they cash in on this do, do you think they know that there's money to be made from this sort of thing 100% but I think it's maybe more so to do with they know money's going to be lost if you start really clamping down on some of the more because when you look at the Blue Order and you look at the Green Brigade and different things like that they're often the ones that are the most you know into that sort of sectarian sort of divide they're the ones that really stoke those fires but then they're also the ones that buy the tickets to every single game they're also the ones that buy the merchandise they're also the ones that you know travel yeah really encourage the club and and, and actually grow the club across europe and in other countries so i think it's less of them cashing in but more scared of actually losing what they've got yeah that's a good point that's great thanks for your uh, open frankness there that's great thank you very much for coming in sir cheers Hello, we're now joined by a Celtic supporter who, for the purposes of the programme, we're going to call Brian, who's going to talk to us a wee bit about his experiences and what the phrase weekend bigot means to him. So, hi, Brian. Hi. First of all, just give us a wee bit of your background, growing up supporting Celtic. I believe you're from south side of Glasgow, yeah? From south side of Glasgow. I moved to the east end of Glasgow later on, which is steeped in the Celtic tradition, as they like to call it. Yeah. What does that phrase mean to you, weekend bigot, or 90-minute bigot is also something that we've heard. Just just tell us a wee bit about that. It's almost like split personality. You're, you're one person through the week, and then on match day, whether it's a midweek game or whether it's a weekend game, the, from the minute you start building up to it, your attitude to the opposition changes, particularly the opposition, in our case, as Celtic fans were Rangers. So 
from before kick-off to the end of the match to the day after the match, you'd be pretty much a different person. And, and is this something you were aware of, like, growing up? Were you aware of differences growing up a Celtic fan in Glasgow? Is it sort of learned behaviour, if you like? Going to the games, singing the songs? I mean, what was what was the experience like? I grew, I grew up in an area which had pretty clear lines drawn from basically where we lived if you were seen to be a Roman Catholic you weren't allowed to join sports clubs various organisations things like that so a lot of that created a resentment which as a kid you carried on in adulthood when you should have shed it but you didn't Really there was that level of bigotry and like actual yeah? Yeah yeah yeah. where I grew up there was golf clubs sports clubs youth organisations you weren't welcome at unless you were Church of Scotland How were you made aware of that? I mean was it You were told In no uncertain terms you'd be No uncertain terms you were told And how did that make you feel as a young young guy? It was it was disappointing because you grew up I went to non-denominational school I grew up with kids from all religions all backgrounds several different countries as well and they could all go along to things I couldn't go along to so you'd be with them a day at school at night they'd be going to the BB in these days, and we basically were made unwelcome. So you were, say like, you were made unwelcome in the BBs, is that scene? I've heard that referred to as, like, Mason Youth and that kind of thing. Is It, it wasn't as bad as that, because by the time it, I was like, old enough to be a senior in the BB, they were quite happy and far more open about the whole thing. We had kids, we had Jewish kids, Asian kids, kids with a Chinese background, all in our boys we had. But when I was junior session, they weren't welcome at all. And did that sort of foster resentment, or do you think it helps to... It helps to so they seed, if you like, for... Well, they wore blue. Rangers wear blue. You're a Celtic fan. I was actually given a Rangers top as a kid by a neighbour, kindly neighbour, who thought it might help me get into things. So what were your experiences of going to games and that? You find Suddenly you find yourself singing songs about the IRA and were you aware of what was going on in Ireland at the time, say, we're talking through the 70s, early 80s here? Yeah, my age group was somewhat was live in telly. You'd see the bomb disposal guys approaching buildings, see the aftermath of it. You were aware of what was going on. You knew what the troubles were. It was the height of it when I was a kid. So I that was, it was always there in the background. It was sort of one of the biggest stories in the news almost every night for many, many years when I was a kid. And we were probably given, because of the folk we were hanging about with, a fairly skewed version of it. What do you mean by that? Is that like more sort of extremist people that would support the IRA, for instance? Well, pe- people would chant IRA songs at football matches, but they wouldn't have a clue what the IRA actually is or who they really were or what the history of Ireland was. It was kind of, when you look back now, you think they were just dafties. Because they were shouting about stuff they knew nothing about. And when you go to the game, I mean, I've I've, I've been to one old firm match recently, actually, but I could see why you people would get kind of how easy it would be to get embroiled in the atmosphere and all that. Especially if you're young and say you're, you're with your pals, you've had a few drinks. Is that what was the sort of crack like going to the games and that? You know, is it? You're a 15 year old boy. You all meet the one boy who's six and a half foot tall out the group, so when he goes into off license, Kestrel Lager in these days. You'd all be half cutting the bus and we into Glasgow. You'd then all walk up to the East End. You'd join up with other Celtic fans. All the chants were beginning, particularly an old firm game. You'd see them getting herded in at the other end. I was getting herded in at that end. Within minutes, the jungle, the old standing terrace at Parkhead would be belting out the old tunes, as they used to call them. Mm-hmm. The soldier song, just the colonial boy and that. Stuff, most folk didn't even know the words to it, to be quite frank. After you'd been to the games and say you've had that good experience at the weekend, did you reflect on... Um like your behaviour singing the songs are that did say you're going back to work you're working alongside Protestant Rangers fans or other guys for other teams and that I mean just what was your experience there what you said and shouted and sang before during after the match on match day you never really thought about it 
because depending who'd, who'd won and who lost, you got in the office, fall there, go to work or go to school, or it was you went to the next day, and there would be back and forth and slagging off, and there was never any real trouble over it with your colleagues or your schoolmates. It was years later you start reflecting on it. Now looking back, you think, basically I was an idiot. As any extremist, as you're spouting extremist views, and as usually don't even know what they are, what they're all about. So the banter thing now, and where I work now, there's good banter with various folk with different clubs, and there's nothing nasty about it. I have worked quite recently in an office where there was some pretty nasty banter. The folks sitting clearly trying to provoke you by singing or whistling or humming repeatedly the same well-known loyalist tune. But the best thing to do to defuse it is laugh at them. So, you know, you know, growing up. What do you feel about the problem now? Do you think it's getting worse? Do you think it's more needs to be done to tackle it? It was horrible in the 70s and 80s. In the 90s, in my opinion, it went away to an extent. And now I think with the whole independence struggle for Scotland's freedom, as people like to see it, and I'm not espousing either view here, you've got people identifying with it's very polarising. So you've got folk who traditionally are loyalists and would follow the Orange Walks and who would probably be Rangers fans and fans of other clubs who are clearly very much on the, the union side. And you've got many folk with Irish backgrounds, Irish surnames and folk who wear the green and white every week at Celtic Park and elsewhere who are very much an independence side. So it's polarised to an extent and I think the big so-called battle of George Square highlighted that when there was the two different groups met and clashed. Was that after the 2014 vote? It was just after or just before. I cannot remember the exact date, but it, it was. I was walking through the square that night and you knew there was going to be trouble. And it, what it reminded me of was 80s football fans fighting. Yeah. Yet this was about politics. And it just, to me, it reminded me exactly of that because you had one side who were all spouting with their, their salt tyres and chanting for one thing. And then you had another mob coming down the hill who all had Union flags, Rangers tops on, quite a lot of them. Even some of them had kiddies with them, there was no harm, they were there to demonstrate. But to me, it had the whole atmosphere and old firm clash. So that's interesting, that's like these old allegiances are sort of falling into politics now, and you're, you recognise that? I, as someone who grew up with it and then saw it go away, you know, to me, I, I see a lot of folk identifying with this sort of different stances and where Scotland should go, yeah. and you got one clear, defined group who say, no, we want to stay with the union. And not everyone who's a unionist is a loyalist in terms of the old Ulster loyalists. They're clearly not. And equally, the people who support independence aren't necessarily all. I mean, there's a Rangers independence supporting group. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's Celtic fans who are, are Tories, so, or who are unionists. So it's not split directly down the line, but there is clearly groups on either side who are backing it to the hilt. Their view. Okay, Brian. Well, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us. It was really, really interesting what you had to say. So, thanks for that. No problem. You can download Weekend Bigots wherever you listen to your podcasts. But for exclusive, interactive, immersive content, download the NTL app for iOS and Android. If you like what you heard, please rate and review Weekend Bigots and help other listeners discover us too. This is a laudable production for the Scotsman. You can find out more about Laudable and its other local podcasts by following us on social media. On Twitter, where we are at Laudable Pods, and Instagram by searching for Laudable underscore podcasts. <laughs>